Sarah sent me an email three or four days ago and said, hey, what's the sermon title this week? I want to pick songs. And I said, well, um, I've been so wrapped up with the house, the sermon's not done yet. So I don't know, just trust God, and I want you to know how amazing it was. The songs you picked go perfectly with my sermon this morning, and so I just, I just think that that's absolutely cool how God works in little ways like that. Um, if you have your Bibles this morning, I'd like you to open them to Psalm 139. If you're viewing on your device, go ahead and get that open, Psalm 139. We're going to, we're going to kind of live in that whole chapter this morning uh, as we kind of look at where is God in the chaos. Uh, and in reality, we've kind of been living in chaos lately, haven't we? I mean, we, we've just gone through uh, uh, so much stuff. Um, there's a picture going to come up on the slide, and I want you to look at this. Now, if you're an electrician, this is chaos, okay? Even if you're not an electrician, if I were to ask you to sort out those wires, you'd be like, oh my gosh, that's just total chaos. We couldn't ever begin to figure that out. It would be a mess. It would be hours and hours and hours of work to try to untangle the chaos of this pile of wires. And sometimes life gets to feeling that way. I mean, we've been through stuff in the last couple of months I never dreamed we would have been through. I never would have dreamed that the stuff that's happened, I mean, no food on the shelves in the supermarkets. I thought that was all gone with the, you know, the Great Depression back in, uh, you know, no toilet paper. Oh my goodness, I never dreamed that that would be an issue, that we would have trouble fighting. By the way, I've still got toilet paper in my shed if anyone, <laughs> if anyone needs any. Um, Nursing homes shut down so you can't even go see your family. I mean, who would have dreamed that that kind of chaos would have happened in our world? We're an advanced society, and, and we look at things like that, and it's like, how in the world did we get in the middle of that chaos? And not only that, but in probably within the, fa- the past year, you've struggled in areas of finances. Maybe something came up that you weren't counting on. Um, even with our, our brother Michael, uh, we got sickness and death that happens. And, and life, a lot of times, seems chaotic. Maybe there's been difficulty in your marriage. Maybe a friend hurt you. Uh, maybe a, a job was lost. Your children are out of control. Whatever it may be, we live in a life that seems to be chaos a lot of the times. And, and, and sometimes we find ourselves lost in the middle of that chaos. And it seems difficult to get our footing and difficult to get an understanding of where we're supposed to be in the middle of the chaos. I don't know about you, but I've been through some times where I actually thought, does God even see me? Anyone been there? And I ask questions, God, do you, do you see what's going on? This is in my private arguing time with God. God, do you see me? Because it doesn't seem like you see me. Do you really love me? Because it doesn't seem like a God who loves me would allow this kind of stuff to happen to me. I think all of us have probably been there at some point in our lives where we say, God, do you not see what's going on in this world? Do you not see what's happening? The Bible says that God is a God of love, and yet at times it seems... Well, to be honest, it just seems like he doesn't care. It just seems like he doesn't care in the middle of the chaos, but that's not true. 
Today, I would like to share with you out of Psalm 139, and in that passage, my hope is that we will find something that will be helpful to us in those times when life seems chaotic, and we don't really know, does God really care? Psalm 139 is a great picture of what we can do to know that there is a God in the chaos. So open your Bibles. Let's look at Psalm 139. The first truth about God this morning that we're going to look at is that He knows us. He knows us. Follow along. I'm going to be reading verses 1 through 6. It should be on the screen this morning. O Lord, You have searched me and known me. You know when I sit up, and you, you know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down, and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. One of the most significant things in life is to be known. It's more significant than, than winning the lottery to be known, to have someone know you. Um, John Maxwell, who is a great leadership guru, says everybody wants to be somebody. That's why I've worked hard, and I don't know if you noticed, but I worked really hard when we first got here to try to learn names <laughs> because I understand the value of someone knowing you. And when someone calls you by name instead of, hey, you, <laughs> and that may be your wife calling you for dinner, hey, you, get in here. But when someone who you're not sure knows you and they call you by name, there's something significant in that. And then it's, not, it's not something that's like an astronomical change, but there's something that happens inside you. Oh, my gosh, he, he knows my name. And this kind of... Uh, truth was born out. A couple weeks ago, I talked about being a bus driver. <clears throat> I, I employed this principle when I started driving school bus. Um, as my students would get on in the morning, I, I, in two weeks' time, I learned all my students' names. And I had about, I don't know how many students a bus holds. I had close to 50 students. But I learned their names, and they would get on the bus, and I would say, good morning, whatever that kid's name was. And after about three days of that, there was this little girl who said, why are you always calling me by name? I'm like, well, I, I just want to know you. And, and, and I said, didn't your other bus driver know your name? And she said, no, he drove our bus for six years and never knew any of our names. And I thought, how significant. This bus driver had the reputation for having the worst bus in the school system, and the kids were the worst of all times. Nobody wanted to substitute for him. I got the bus route, and within, within a month, I was like, I don't know what the deal is. These kids work, are great. But there's something significant in knowing someone, isn't there? And just those kids, the value that they found in someone taking the time and the care to know their name was huge. I believe it was the turning point. Now, I did mention a couple weeks ago that I had candy. That helped a little bit, but... Before I ever started the candy thing, I knew their names. And it changed who they were and it changed the way they acted because somebody cared enough to simply know their names. I want you to understand 
that our God knows you. And this is one of the things that sometimes we forget. He knows us. Do you you see what it says in this text? You know when I sit down and when I stand up. You discern my thoughts. (laughs) That's a scary one. From afar, you discern. He knows what's going... If you think that you can think a thought and God doesn't know it, you've got another thing coming. God says, I can discern your thoughts from where I am in heaven, and I know what you're thinking. I know you. He says, you search out my path, my laying down, you're acquainted with all my ways. You know everything about me. God knows everything. He knows your habits. He knows what you, where you go when you get hurt. He knows how you act. He understands all of those things. This is huge when we consider the fact of how life is chaotic. We need to know that there is a God that understands that. And He knows us. It says, even before a word is on my tongue... Behold, O Lord, you know it all together. I'm like, how many times? I wish he'd have just zapped me before I said that word, before it came off my tongue. But he knew it when it was still on my tongue. He knew the words that I was going to speak. He knows what I'm saying. And this is the part I love, verse 5, because this is a, this is a verse that, that is a, a verse of comfort. You hem me in behind and before and you lay your hand on me. There is a knowing in that, that God says, listen, I've got your front, I've got your back, my hand is on you. There is a a great comfort in knowing that we have a God who just, the fact that He knows us. He knows who we are. He knows the fears that are going on in your head. He knows the struggles that you have. He knows the status of your health. He knows everything, and He is aware of the loved ones that, you're care, that you care about. He knows us. This is a huge truth that we need to wrap our heads around, that He knows us. You are not a stranger to God. You know, it, I find it interesting that even those people who are not Christ followers, they're not strangers to God either. He knows them as well. He knows every one of us. That's the first truth we need to understand to help us decipher how we live in the chaos. First of all, that God knows us. The second truth about God, and we're going to pick up in verse 7, is that He is always with us. Look at at the verse 7. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light be my night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. Now this is... This is significant. He is always with us. I remember hearing a story one time of a little girl who was scared of the storms. Anyone else here? My wife is a little bit this way. <laughs> Anybody scared when the thunderstorms happen? Anybody? Sometimes <clears throat> it's a scary thing, especially when you're small. To, be, to hear that loud clap of thunder and the lightning that flashes right outside your window. This little girl was terrified of the storms. And one night a, a thunderstorm happened. 
And she cried out in the middle of the night after a loud clap of thunder. And her mom came running and said, what's wrong? What's wrong? I'm just scared. I, I, I'm afraid of the storms. And her mom said, listen, honey, it's okay. God's with you. You don't have to worry. It's fine. You'll be okay. Mom went back to bed. Sure enough, five, ten minutes later, another big clap of thunder. That's what happens in the middle of thunderstorms. And the, and the child was crying out again. And, and mom came back in and said, what's the matter? Uh, I said, well, I'm scared of the thunder. And she tried to explain to her that, that it's okay. God's with you. You don't have to worry about that. One more time, she went back to her room and uh, thought she had her child convinced and another clap of thunder, and she's crying again and screaming. Mom comes in and says, listen, I thought I explained this to you. God's here with you. She says, no, but I want somebody with skin on. <laughs> and, and sometimes we're like that, right? We, even though God's with us, it's like, no, I want, I want somebody with skin on, because if they're skin on, then I know they're with me. We need to see from this passage, from this section of the scripture, God is with us. Always. <clears throat> look, at, look back to our text again. Where shall I go? Where shall I flee from your presence? And, and that's kind of a, a rhetorical question because the answer is right away. There is no place. We think, well, if I get far enough away, I can get away from God's presence. And God's presence is everywhere. Sometimes in our own minds when we, we uh, engage in sinful behavior, we think, well, I'll just, I'll just get far away. God won't bother me. God won't know. Uh, yeah, he does. He goes wherever we are. He says, if I ascend to heaven, at the highest of highs, he's there. At the lowest of lows, calls it Sheol, that's another word for hell. If I descend to hell, God's there with us. If I take the wings in the morning and dwell in the uttermost, you can, you can drive, fly around the world, you can take a ship and sail to the farthest shore you can think of, he's already there. Even there your hand will lead me and your right hand shall hold me. And I want you to remember that verse. Your hand will lead me and your right hand will hold me. There is something about him always being with us and he's there to hold us. His hand will hold us. You guys probably remember <clears throat> the, the poem uh, written years ago. I'm going to read it anyway, even though it's an oldie. Uh, is the poem Footprints. Um, it says, One night I dreamed a dream as I was walking along the beach with the Lord. Across the dark sky flashed scenes from my life. For each scene I noticed two sets of footprints in the sand. One belonging to me and one to my Lord. After the last scene of my life flashed before me, I looked back at the footprints in the sand. I noticed that at many times along the path of my life, especially at the very lowest and saddest times, there was only one set of footprints. This really troubled me, so I asked the Lord about it. I said, Lord, you once said when I decided to follow you that you'd walk with me all the way. But I noticed during the saddest and most troublesome times of my life, there was only one set of footprints. I don't understand why, when I needed you the most, you would leave me. He whispered, my precious child, I love you and would never leave you. Never. Ever. During your trials and your testing, when you saw only one set of footprints, it was then that I was carrying you. And that's the message of this section of our text. He is there. He is always with us. He is never going to leave us. He is there whether we travel the farthest that we think we can away. He is there. We need to remember 
that God is there and He is with us. Whatever chaos happens in your life, whatever trials come your way, you've got to remember He is with us. He is always with us and always available truth. The third truth this morning that we're going to look at is the truth that He made us with His own hands. Look at verses 13 through 16. I love this part. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in the secret, intricately intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. He made us with his own hands. I remember in high school, I took shop class. And, and every kid at some point either has a shop class or an art class where they make something, right? And, I mean, every kid in the world has made an ashtray because whatever it started out didn't turn out. And, they brought, and it turned into an ashtray, just magically, uh, because that was all they could think to use it before. But when you make something with your own hands... There is something about that that you, you kind of take some ownership and like, I made that. And, and I, I, out of kind of hobby, I love to make furniture kind of things. And, and when I, I, I made a video cabinet, I'm real proud of that video cabinet because I made that. And it actually turned out pretty good. Um, and, and there's something about when you make something with your hands that you... Uh, that you have a great pride in it and you love it. No, no matter what anybody says, well, that's ugly. I don't care what you say, I made that. <laughs> and, and I'm, I'm going to keep it and I like it. And there's something about that. We need to understand that God made us. <clears throat> you formed my inward parts and you knitted me together in my mother's room. Now, I don't know if any of you guys knit. I remember my mom knitting. And I know that she could take a, a, a skein of yarn and turn it into something that was useful. I could never do it. But I, I watched with amazement as she would knit. She just wouldn't even look in and, you know, talking. And I'm like, all of a sudden, it's a booty or something. I don't know. How, I don't know what all. She'd make booties. She'd make blankets, whatever. Can you get the picture that when you were developing in your mother's womb, that it was God there knitting you together. He was there piecing together the heart that would one day beat, the, the lungs that would one day breathe, the brain that would one day... He was the one that knitted you together. He is the greatest knitter of all times because He can make a human. In your mother's womb, He knit you together. If you don't think that this is significant, um, that's like... like one old preacher used to say, if that doesn't get you fired up, your wood's all wet. Um, he knit you together in your mother's room. He says, I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And some of us need to hear that. Some of us have issues where we think we're not of value. And we think that we're not significant. And you need to hear today that God says, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And everything that you are was knit together by Him, and He likes it. 
and he loves it. And he made you that way. So if you're, you know, struggle with, well, you know, I don't like this part of me. I, my nose is kind of funny or my ears don't kind of match my head. Whatever it is that, that runs through your head that I'm not good enough, that's Satan telling you things because God says, I made you. And if you want to make fun of who you are and downplay who you are, then you're downplaying God because God made you like you are. And he likes you and he loves you just the way that you are. It says, my frame was not hidden from you when I was being made. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. And listen to this. In your book were written every one of them the days that were formed for me. So before you were born, before you became who you are living and breathing in this world, God had a book and everything that you would do in your entire existence, God has written in your book. He's got a book with a page titled Gene Cox and it has everything that Gene would do. He's got a book entitled Joe Ray. He's got a book with your name on it there's a page that says this is what they will be, what they will do. If you don't see the significance of that, you're sleeping or you're just not paying attention. God loves you. He made you and he don't make junk. That's just the truth. God don't make junk. Well, that brings us to a fourth truth. And the fourth truth is this. He thinks about us. Look at verse 17 and 18. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I am awake and I am still, I awake and I'm still with you. God thinks about us. This may be really important to us right now when we've just come off of this having to stay in our houses all the time. Like, does God really, does God see this? <laughs> Can God do something about this? Can, you know, God knows about us. We've been cut off from family and friends. God thinks about us. This kind of blows me away. I don't know about you, but uh, and, and how your relationships work. But my wife, if I were to call her in the middle of the day, hey, I was just thinking about you, um, just thought I'd call and say hi. Or if, you know, now that I'm close, if I just walk across the street and say, hey, I was just thinking about you, just wanted to come over and, and tell you that I love you. The fact that I'm thinking of her makes her love me all the more. You've got to know that God is constantly thinking of you. His mind is full of you. He's always thinking about you. It says that his thoughts are more than the sands in the sea. I can't even count them. How vast is the sum of your thoughts for me? You think, well, God doesn't, God's not watching me. He doesn't think about me. He is. The reality. If you trust Scripture to be true, then God is thinking of you. And we have to ask ourselves then, at the end of all this, where's God in the chaos? What, what do I do with this? How do I respond? The, the challenge for you this morning is to recognize that whether you feel it 
or not, God's there. Whether you comprehend it or not, we need to remember and go back to this passage. This passage of Scripture ought to be a go-to reference for every one of you. Whenever Satan kind of gets that jab and makes you feel less than, you need to go read Psalm 139 and remind yourself just what God thinks of you. When life gets chaotic and you can't figure out which way is up, you need to go to Psalm 139 and realize that He knows you. He's always with you. He made you with His very own hands and He's thinking about you constantly. I don't know about you. When I hear those things, it kind of puts a relaxed smile on my face knowing okay, I maybe don't have to stress over the chaos. I don't have to worry so much. Whatever happens, and you know, now the, is COVID-19 going to come back and, and be even worse? I don't have to worry about that. I don't have to worry about how, how things are going to turn out. I don't have to worry about economics. I don't have to worry about those things because God says in your chaos, if you will look to me and just look at how I care for you and how I love you, life becomes a little simpler and a little easier to live out. The key is you got to go there. If you don't go back to the truth of Scripture, then you're going to get wrapped up in chaos again and, and life becomes chaotic and sometimes we do things that are stupid when we're in the middle of chaos. We make bad choices. We do things that we shouldn't do. Guys, I just want to encourage you to remember in the middle of the chaos, God is there. And He is there thinking of you and loving you for who you are. I'm going to ask the band to come back and we're going to sing an invitation song this morning. And maybe, maybe in your own life, you've just not, you just haven't uh, surrendered over.